Welcome to the Bullshit Filter, episode 122. feel sorry yes. for all the people who miss out on our pre-show <laughs> banter. That's, that's the best part. It is the we best just, part, yeah. We go yeah. at each other. We fuck you, fuck up. you, fuck you, fuck me, fuck yeah. you, fuck you. And then, we, then we're nice to each other. <laughs> episode 122. Before we get into today's stories, I want to give a shout-out to my mate Chris Sard. They give a plug for a product that he soft-launched to me a couple of months ago. Um it's called Wingman, um, something that you could have used uh, throughout your life. Then um, you are my wingman. That's how I think about it. This is this is replacing you in a way. It's you can you can look it up at getwingman.ai, and it's right. um it's a Chrome plugin, mm-hmm. and it's great. Uh, and I've participated a little bit in the thinking of the latter stages of it. But if you go to any news story. On a news right. website, BBC, New York Times, ABC, whatever it is, it'll pop up a sidebar that uses GPT to break down the story. First of all, it'll give you an executive oh. summary of the story, but then below that, it will call out the biases shown in the reporting of the story, the language that is used that may be um That's giving you a particular uh, uh intended flavor or direction or whatever it also mm-hmm. gives you the historical context of the story so if you're reading something about Israel Gaza it'll give you a background on the historical context then wow. and this was my suggestion one of my suggestions anyway below that it'll give you a mini bio on anyone who's mentioned in the story just a one yeah, line who they are Absolutely. What, their, what their background is with links, I think, to the Wikipedia profile, so you can read up more about who they are. And then right. down the bottom, it tells you, um, you know, what you can do to learn more about the topic, and uh, you mm-hmm. know, sort of guide you through. So it's sort of is, as I said to him, this is you know a great tool. Like uh, what we try and do on this show is think about the big issues mm-hmm. facing the world today, and we try and break them down and think about them from angles that aren't necessarily the angles that we're being given by the mainstream media. Uh, or our governments. And this tool helps you do that. So check it out, getwingman.ai. I've been using it quite a lot to prepare for shows like this. Like it's just a quick, I'll read a news story and I'll go, okay, what's the lay of the land here? And it'll it'll give me a, a, it's another tool like ChatGPT or like Wikipedia that Mm -hmm. can enable you to get a bit of a head start on understanding more of the context of a story and Set you off in other directions of uh, reading or research that you may want to do. Yeah, I, I should just Ooh. get it to recommend listening to our show too every time. Yeah, if you want to know more about this, listen to Cam and Ray. Yeah, for a flat fee, um, which is fine. He should make the tagline. Uh, oh shit! I just had it. Um, a lazy podcaster's oh, shit, best I just friend. Had it? No, all oh, right. No, something. I should have just had like it. This. Oh no! If 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 I had something if, for that. If. <laughs> If going down rabbit holes is your thing, then Wingman is for you. Something mm. like that. You know, work, work you've on been, that. You've Again, been in a few flat- rabbit holes in your time. Yeah, That's why you live in the country. I can't. Mm. I can't. South it's Africa, right? Yes, go ahead, please. Thank God. I've got a, I'm on a timeline here, like David Markham yes. last month. I've I got to be somewhere more important than this, which is Kung Fu training. 
The public holiday here in Australia. It's Australia Day today. Let's not get into that, but um, right. our Kung Fu school is closed, so a few of us students have decided we're going to do our own training. Everyone else yeah, is getting right. pissed and having barbecues. Uh, we're, going to, we're going to do Kung Fu training. Uh, South Africa time. recently yeah. brought a case of genocide against Israel, Ray. Yes. Yes. Um, the International Court of Justice, the ICJ, a.k.a. the World Court, mm-hmm. is where they brought it. It's the only international court that adjudicates general disputes between nations, gives advisory right. options, uh, sorry, advisory opinions on mm-hmm. international mm-hmm. legal issues. One of the six organs, sexy, sexy word organs, mm-hmm. it's one of the six yeah. organs of the United Nations. Located in the Hague, in the Netherlands. Now, uh, a lot of people are upset by this uh, claim of genocide by Israel. A lot of people agree, on the other hand. Israel, obviously, is not happy uh, about it. But the US refuses to call it genocide, and obviously that's going to be a big issue trying to get the US to agree that what Israel is doing is genocide. Here's what South Africa argued. They argue that Israeli officials have voiced genocidal intent. So to mm-hmm. prove genocide, you have to prove that it's intentional. And they, right. quoting Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu's reference to ancient yeah. Israel's destruction of Amalek. Now, right. I don't know if you saw this story. I don't know how much coverage it's getting in the um, mainstream media. I think there's been a little bit. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, there's, uh, there's a speech that he gave uh, late October last year where he says, um, right. in recent days I've met with our soldiers at their bases at the assembly points in the north and in the south. We have an amazing army with wonderful and heroic soldiers, Jews and non-Jews, secular and religious, left and right. They are all imbued with a fighting spirit, the likes of which I have never seen, including a willingness to fight with strength and force against an enemy whose brutality and criminality are unparalleled. They are longing to recompense the murderers for the horrific acts they perpetrated on our children, our women, our parents, and our friends. They are committed to eradicating this evil from the world for our existence, and I add, for the good of all humanity. The entire people and the leadership of the people embrace them and believe in them. Remember what Amalek did to you, Deuteronomy 25.17. We remember and we fight. Now, no one knows more about uh, the Old Testament than you, Ray. Uh, Tell people about Amalek. Amalek did not play. That's all I know. But he did not play. No, please, please uh, tell me about him. Amalek. I don't know anything about Amalek. It was a, yeah. it was a, tri- it was a tribe, wasn't a guy. Uh, oh, see, the Amaleks were a, a tribe in the Old Testament, enemies of Israel. Um, they uh, basically had a war. They sort of, according to the Old Testament version of events, which of course, as everyone knows, is really just political propaganda. The uh, Amalekites harassed the Hebrews during their exodus from Egypt and attacked them near Mount Mm. Sinai, where they were defeated by Joshua and uh, pretty much were wiped out. So Mm. if you look at um, what Ah. the uh, Old Testament, so the the Old Testament says about the Amaleks, God then commands Saul to destroy the Amalekites 
by killing man, woman, infant, and suckling. Oh. Uh, basically said, go in and wipe them all out. Kill them all, even the children. All of them. It's funny. Fox is just watching those films again. He loves them. <laughs> kids love them. Oh, yeah. The kids oh, yeah. don't like. Oh, we, we were watching, uh, he was watching Bear Grylls last night, and, and he had Natalie Portman on. He was taking her out hiking in Utah. And they were talking about the Star Wars films, and wow. she was like, yeah, look, the, she was 16, I think, when she made the first one. And she was like, yeah, the thing was they came out and everyone despised them. They were hated. Now, 20-odd years later, everyone loves them. Says, yeah, actually, the they were the, they're were the good ones. Yeah. Not me. I still think they suck. Right. But anyway. Well, yeah. Uh, so, yes, destroy all of them. And so Benjamin Netanyahu referencing Amalek, Seems to be Genocide. referencing this idea of yeah, wiping them all out, man, women, children, yeah. and beast. Don't leave out yes. the beasts. No, they're the worst. Uh, um, South Africa is also claiming that Israeli soldiers have acted on that intent. Mm -hmm. Lawyers referenced videos of soldiers, quote, joyfully detonating entire apartment blocks. Oh, yes. And then they claim that Israeli actions have been genocidal in nature, causing destruction, displacement, and death aimed at the destruction of Palestinian life. I think the current numbers are there's like 25, over 25,000 people reported killed. This is according to the yes. UN Human Rights Commission. Nearly 25,000 yes. people reported killed, according to the Gaza Ministry of Health, 70% of them women and children. Another yeah. 61 and a half thousand at least have been injured. Seven, several thousands more under the rubble, many presumed dead. And that's yeah. that uh, um, story is from a week ago, so it's probably worse than that. Now, yeah. not surprising, your uh, United mm -hmm. States Secretary of State, Anthony Blinken, um, right. is a Jew who mm -hmm. uh, is vehemently against this being called genocide. When he arrived right. in Jerusalem to show support, uh, he said, I come before you as a Jew, not as the so, American Secretary of State, um, but as so a Jew. Neutral. Right. Mm. Yeah. Biden yeah. declared himself a, a Zionist again. Oh, right, right. He said, yeah. uh, I am a Zionist. Interestingly, he also mentioned recently that Benjamin Netanyahu has a photo from when he and Biden met in 1973. Right. And Biden had scrawled on the photo, BB, I love but don't agree with a damn thing you have to say. Damn. It's about D the same today, Biden announced to the audience. Yes. As I said after the 7th of October attack, my commitment to the safety of the Jewish people and the security of Israel, its right to exist as an independent Jewish state is unshakable. You don't have to be a Jew to be a Zionist. I am a Zionist. Were there no Israel, there would not be a Jew in the world who was safe. Now, that's a little bit of a paraphrase or re re reframing of what he said in the 80s. We're also going to discuss the ironclad commitment. So I'm going to play this clip here. Can you uh, can you hear that, I heard Ray? The, I heard something. Yeah, 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 yeah. This is a clip uh, from Biden. I mean, first of all, there's a recent clip of him talking. This is from October last year, him talking about Israel. And then it will cut to a clip of him in the early 80s talking about Israel. So listen to this. Okay, this 5,000 times in my career. The Iron Tag Clad Commitment of the United States has to Israel. 
based on our principle, our ideas, our values. They're the same values. And uh, I, uh, I've often said, Mr. President, if there were, were not in Israel, we'd have to invent one. Um, it is the best $3 billion investment we make. Were there not an Israel, the United States of America would have to invent an Israel to protect her interest in the region. You know? See? Um, Interesting. Yeah, that's him from the early 80s. There's another bit here. The United States would have to go out and invent an Israel. But the, the, the framing of it, you can see, has sort of changed since he's become president. Yeah. Back then it was to protect our interests in the region, not... Mm -hmm. So the Jews can be safe, but right. to protect our interests in the region. And I think right. that's the important thing that we all need to remember about Israel. I think, you know, there's I had this conversation with my mum when she was here mm -hmm. over Christmas. We were talking about it. She was like, I don't understand why the US supports Israel so much. Is it because of the 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 Jews are so powerful in America? And I was like, Well, yeah, that's actually there's some merit to that, and we'll get into that in a mm -hmm. second. But right. um, there is, I think, the, the main reason, the principal right. reason why the U.S. has supported Israel since the 50s is because they realize they need an ironclad ally in that part of the world because Absolutely. that's the part of the world where most of the oil comes from, particularly back right. then. This is before we yes. had shale oil as an option. Uh, most of the oil comes from there, all of the countries that contain the oil, predominantly Muslim countries. They mm -hmm. needed a non-Muslim country that relied that that relied on the United States for its very yes. existence. Yes. To be fully armed, able to intervene on America's behalf in any uh, countries in the region where they needed intervention, that right. would be reliable as an ally. You know, Saddam Hussein was an ally for a while and then he wasn't. Yeah. Iran right. was an ally for decades and then it wasn't. Saudi yeah. Arabia has been an ally for a long time, but their relationship with them is sort of touch and go. You know, the yeah. the, the OPEC crisis in the early 70s obviously was an instance where, uh, you know, the, the, they weren't exactly a reliable partner when it came to the pricing of oil. And right. uh, we've, we've talked about that on the show before and Kissinger went over and did the deal. Um, to guarantee them, again, sort of ironclad support militarily, funding, right. political cover in return for giving them a good price on, on oil, not fucking with them. I, I, I completely agree with what you're saying. I, I would like to think, I would like to think that if Biden and Netanyahu were alone and no one would ever know this, I would just imagine Biden going, look, I know you got to defend yourself, but dude, you're killing me here. You're You are committing something very much like genocide if it's not genocide and i've got to defend you for the very reasons that you just said cam but i've just got to imagine he would be like could you just knock it off can you turn it down a little bit um but that's where they're at so in order to get ready for tonight i've been going through you know accusations counter accusations watching drone footage or whatever did not enjoy that at all thank you very much but it reminded me of something was it the 1970s i can't remember 1970s 1980s when the supreme i think it was a supreme court judge uh u.s uh supreme court judge says something like i don't i can't define pornography but i know it when i see it 
That's for me, kind of like genocide. Yeah, you can get into all the technicalities and who did what and who started that and why are you doing this and whatever. But at the end of the day, I mean, literally, they can't get water. They can't get medicine. Literally, the um, the uh, the people that are bringing things are being targeted. And like you said, there's there's footage of uh, Israeli soldiers, you know, laughing or whatever as they're shooting up. And so whatever forget definitions for a second trust your eyes this is genocide women mostly women and children are dying this is absolutely horrible but i think israelis only got this they're a one-trick pony this is all they've got they can't use their nuclear weapons because then everybody would go fucking insane and plus it's in their own country so they're just gonna beat these people down and and i don't think they even have an end game i don't even this is literally a knee-jerk reaction and they have no other options because this is all they've ever done Maybe mm. they need to. I have no idea, but they're they're a one trick pony. Mm. What do you think? Yeah, I think you're right. That? Yeah, I think you're right, and I think like Netanyahu has. Uh, have I ever played that clip on this show where he talked about how he knows how to control the U.S.? I'm not sure. Uh, let me just find that. Or if you have, it's been a while since I don't remember. I can't see it in my notes. I'm just see if I can dig it up. Yeah. There is a. This was doing the rounds uh, a few months ago. It was a, a conversation recorded years ago, like I think twenty years ago, maybe, where he was sitting with some people, um, just basically saying, "Oh, here we go." Um, I think I found it here. Okay, he's speaking in uh, Hebrew, so I will. Right, I'll try. I'll, I'll just read the transcription here. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll post a link to it in the notes. If you want to look it up in YouTube, it's called "What Does Netanyahu Really Think of the USA?" Here's what he says: Especially today with America, I know what America is. America is a thing you can easily move, move in the right direction. Um, so uh, that's basically what he said, right? There's a lot of clips yeah. in this thing of him talking about moving the US, but he knows how to manipulate the US. Um, oh, here's another oh, yes. clip from the same thing. He says, remember Oslo? I stopped the Oslo Accords. So uh, this is a guy who is, you know, very canny, very mm -hmm. clever, like in a Trumpian way. He knows how to tap into the American psyche um yes. but it's not just him of course there's um there's a lot of people in the israel lobby in the u.s there's a great book i read years ago by john mearsheimer um called the israel lobby and if you want to mm. know more about how the israel lobby works in the u.s i, I recommend that book but um and not, a lot of people in america uh, are against what israel is doing yes um there's been some surveys done recently that indicate that younger Americans uh, yes. are uh, quite against it. About half mm -hmm. of the 18 to 29 demographic say that Israel is committing genocide. Right. Um, and similar for registered Democrats, 49% mm -hmm. of registered Democrats agree with the genocide yeah. characterization. Um, yeah. The Republicans are far more supportive of what Israel is doing. 57% of Republicans said there is no genocide. Only 18% mm. of Republicans agree with it, which is interesting to see how this plays out in your upcoming 
presidential election this year, which we'll talk about a little right. bit later on. But Biden's losing, uh, you know, Biden, by the way, most unpopular president in recorded history at this point in his first term, mm-hmm. uh, according to the polls. And, you know, he is actively supporting this uh, genocide by Israel. And he, half of his regist- half of his own party yeah. uh, believe their president is supporting Israel committing genocide. So it's good. Yeah. And, and Republicans are for it. So the Republicans are like, you beauty, Joe Biden. <laughs> of course, they probably think Trump would, would do the same and, and maybe more in terms of support. We don't know. Yeah. Can I say something real quick? I, let me let me just um, reference something that you said at the very beginning when you talked about South South Africa filing that case. Supposedly, the ICJ is going to make their announcement tomorrow. Uh, and you're right; they're they're accusing them of uh, genocide violations under the the uh, Genocide Convention. And um, and of course, Israel says that's false. It's grossly distorted. You're you're taking it all out of context. Yada yada yada. Watch the videos for yourself or the drone footage for yourself. But then some, and I just love this. Some out South African. It was either a politician or it was a media personality. I can't remember. They wrote something like, um, let me see if I can find it here. Um, oh, it's a, he, he wrote, remember when we broke ties with you, Israel, and you called us subhuman? Well, here's our payback. So you called us subhuman because we wouldn't do business with you because we find that you're subhuman yourself. You call us subhuman. You're acting subhuman now. And now hopefully the chickens will come home to roost. But as you know, Cam, and you're probably going to say this in a minute, the court, the ICJ, does not have the ability to enforce its decisions. Mm. So it can scream from the rooftop all it wants. But one, it can't enforce it. And two, as long as America is back in general is backing Israel, nothing is going to happen to them. Yeah, you're right. I mean, it's a one of the sexy organs of the United Nations, and we know that the only body in the United Nations that can do anything is the Security Council. US has a veto on the Security Council, yeah. so it's not going to agree to anything happening. Exactly. But exactly. you know what yeah. I think this does, though. South mm-hmm. Africa, by the way, Jews accusing some people of being subhuman. Being subhuman. Yeah. Two like, on the nose. Really? Really, really, like, <laughs> do you really want to go there? Yeah, it's the same yeah. thing with the genocide thing. Really, you know, you want to even get close to the line of being accused of committing genocide after what your right. history exactly. uh, has, did you learn has anything? Been like, yeah, exactly. Anyway, um, yeah. and also, like, I know I said this on the last time we talked about Israel, but you know, the Americans bang on and the uh, Israeli government bangs on about their right to defend themselves and their right to exist. Right. But no one talks about the Palestinians' right to defend themselves or their right no, to exist, no. right? You, you have to, you it goes, you have to both go through ways. A, No, actually, it doesn't. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. You have to go through a Holocaust first. And then the survivors of that have the right to life. No one else could just fuck right off. Uh, I don't I don't want to jump too far ahead, but today there was actually some news, uh, probably when you were first getting up. Um and and brushing your teeth or whatever, there was talk, there was very serious talk on both sides of coming up with a ceasefire long enough to exchange prisoners or for Hamas to release the rest of of the detainees, prisoners, whatever term I should be using. Um, That 
fell apart a couple of hours later. Um, but there was a look, it looks like they were going to try to try very hard for both sides to calm the fuck down. But then Hamas said, we will only agree to this if all Israeli troops leave Gaza. And of course, Ben Benjamin Netanyahu said, fuck that and fuck you. So that's, so nothing's going to change. And these people are still suffering some of the worst tragedies that humans possibly can. Mm. And I like the, the duality here where the US refuses to call this genocide, even though there's 25, right. more than 25,000 people killed in a couple of months, oh, yeah. uh, 70% women and children, but we're happy to call China's treatment of the Uyghur people genocide. That's horrible. Yes. Uh, where the total number of dead people was, well, none really that we are, that we have <laughs> right. evidence for. Uh, maybe yeah. some people died in an internment camp. That was the best they could come up yeah. with. But they were like, oh, well, no, it's cultural genocide. But as long oh, as we can throw around the G word, the G that's fine. But right. when it Sorry. actually comes yeah. to 25,000 people being killed, well, uh, well we can't call that genocide. No, no, no we won't. No. We, that's, that's just ridiculous. You can't even bring up yes. the word. Uh, but, right. you know, fine yeah. if it's. China when there's not people dead. By the way, here's what the yeah. head of the human United Nations Human Rights Council said. Right. Um, well, here's an article about him. Anyway, in a related development, the UN's top human rights official has defended criticism of the invasion of Gaza, saying that it is not anti-Semitic to call yeah. out gross violations of international humanitarian law. Writing in the Israeli newspaper Haaretz on Wednesday, Volker Turk... He's an Austrian, by the way. Mm -hmm. Once again, strongly condemned the shocking cruelty of the attack launched from Gaza by Hamas and other armed groups on October 7th. The massacres that ensued created intense and continuing trauma across Israel, the UN rights chief continued, before insisting that the country's campaign of overwhelming force has been tainted by grave breaches of international law. Rocket fire from Gaza into Israel has also continued, Mr. Turk noted, before expressing regret that some Israeli officials had tried to discredit his officers' concerns by claiming that they constitute blood libel. It is not wow. a blood libel to deplore the failure to hold to account Israeli soldiers and armed settlers who have killed hundreds of Palestinians in the West Bank since October 7th, or the prolongation of a war whose conduct has raised grave international humanitarian and human rights law concerns, the UN rights chief stressed. Right. So it's not just South Africa that has serious issues about the way that Israel is conducting this. The head of the Human Rights Commission obviously has know. issues as well. So as you said, yeah. it's going to the ICJ. Uh, they're going to have a temporary ruling, not on the genocide question this week, but on right. possible emergency measures requested by South Africa to restrain mm -hmm. uh, Israel's actions. But funny thing about the ICJ, right? the current president of the ICJ is an American woman, Joan Donahue. Mm -hmm. In the 1980s, Donahue acted as an attorney advisor for the U.S. in the International Court of Justice in the case of Nicaragua versus the United States. Mm -hmm. So for the kids out there who weren't around during the <laughs> 80s. <laughs> right. During the era of Ronald Reagan and George Bush Sr., there right. was a... Uh, 
Marxist government in Nicaragua. There were uh, there was a far right uh, military paramilitary operation called the Contras mm -hmm. that were trying to fight against the Marxist government, and they were really extreme. These guys, like ki you know, yeah. killing priests and women and children and all sorts of stuff. Oh yeah, supported by the United States, fully supported in secret by the United States. Um, with the knowledge, we we believe, of George Bush Sr. and Ronald Reagan, although mm -hmm. they avoided any legal repercussions for that. But right. when this was taken to the ICJ in 1986, um, where you know Nicaragua was accusing the United States of supporting the Contras, the case yeah. was decided in favour of Nicaragua and against the United States, awarding wow. of reparations to Nicaragua. The court had 15 final decisions upon which it voted. The court found in its verdict that the United States was, quote, in breach of its obligations under customary international law not to use force against another state, not to intervene in its affairs, not to violate its sovereignty, not to interrupt peaceful maritime commerce, and, which is interesting, we'll get to that later, and in right. breach of its obligations under Article 14 of the Treaty of Friendship, Commerce and Navigation between the parties signed at Managua on the 21st mm -hmm. of January 1956. I've been to Managua, not for nice. very long. Flew into Managua, then jumped on a bus and went <laughs> to the country of Nicaragua to go to a cigar a cigar factory farm. Nice. Turned, what was that, 2011, I think, somewhere around that I went. It was fantastic. In Statement 9, the court stated that while the U.S. encouraged human rights violations by the Contras, by the manual entitled Psychological Operations in Guerrilla Warfare, this did not make such acts attributable to the U.S. Here's the kicker. Mm. The United States right. refused to participate in the proceedings, arguing that the ICJ lacked jurisdiction to hear the case. The World oh. Court has no jurisdiction. <laughs> Sorry. Over things that happen in the world. Were we not clear no. on that? No, no. The U.S. also blocked enforcement of the judgment by the United Nations Security Council and thereby prevented Nicaragua from obtaining any compensation. Damn, what and dicks. the current president of the ICJ was on the American side of fighting that in the ICJ oh, in the 80s. I, I see what you're doing, but I think the word, the two words, actually one word for both uh, situations, coincidence. It's, it's just one of those quirky things where it just happened to work out really well for us and the people that like us and back us are now in charge. You're reading way I'm embarrassed for you. You're reading way too much into it. You would think that when America was found guilty, we'd be like, okay, fuck it, pay him, because all we got to do is print some more fucking money, right? Just pay him. We wouldn't even do that. Hmm. God, I love America. Proud to be well, George American. Bush Sr. say, like, I will, nev I will never apologize for America. <laughs> Yeah. Even, especially when we fuck up. Oh, can I just say something real quick? I, I know we've only got so much time, but when we were doing the uh, Creation of Israel series, you made some kind of, uh, I think, example or metaphor. You said something like, Ray, it's like me going into your house, going into the bathroom, barricading myself into the bathroom and saying, from now on, this is mine. You can't do shit about it. And slowly, 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 you take, you take more over and more of my house. And they go, what are you complaining about? So for me, this is kind of like, 
if someone was to come in now and kill my entire family, just wipe everybody out, and I go in crazy, and I start going around killing people, and they try to arrest me, and I'm like, you can't arrest me. You've seen what I've been through, right? You can't mm. touch me. I've been mm. through something so horrible, it should mm. excuse anything that mm. I do for the rest of my life. How dare you, sir? Mm. Mm. You know, metaphor. Mm. Anyway, I'm done. Mo moving right along, because I've only got 22 <laughs> minutes left. Pakistan versus Iran. Yes. So you might have heard... There have been some tensions recently between Pakistan and <clears throat> Iran. Iran conducted a missile and drone attack on Western Pakistan, yeah. saying that it was aiming them at m the militant group Jaish al-Alul, Adil, al-Alul, al hard for me to say <laughs> that. Uh, two children were killed in the yeah, attack. This is yes. in the Balochistan region of Pakistan, and um, I'll explain what that is in a second. Pakistan yeah. recalled its ambassador, blocked the Iranian envoy, and then uh, turned around and launched attacks almost immediately on uh, the same sort of region, the Blockistan region of Iran, um, right. saying, oh, well, we were also attacking um, terrorist yeah. camps. Yeah, oh, the, the same fucking group. The yeah. same fucking group. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Um, so it's it, it, there's this interesting thing going on. Now, Iran and Pakistan have had various stages of their relationship since Pakistan was created in the late 40s. Yeah. But they've never really attacked each other's territories before. So this right. is a kind of a big deal. Um, yes. Now, Iran's justification for their attacks had something to do with this bombing in a place called Kerman in Iran uh, on the 11th of January. There was a memorial being held for the former top commander of the Quds uh, force in Iran, uh, Qasem Soleimani, who was killed by Donald Trump in a drone strike um, back right. in 2020. Mm -hmm. He was in Iraq at the time. We, we did a whole fucking story on that back in 2020, I seem to recall. Yeah. So, Balochistan, I didn't know much about Balochistan. Do you know much about Balochistan, Ray? No, I kind of think you're making it up, but go ahead. No, I don't. Uh, it's not a it's not a country. It's a region. It's like um, uh, based on a, where a bunch of regional people live. Sort of yes. sits on the top of Pakistan, Iran, and a small part of Afghanistan, mm -hmm. named after the Block people that have lived there. You know, since fucking God was a boy, <laughs> and you know, in classic sense, in classic you know, Winston Churchillian logic. When right. he, he invented all of these countries by just drawing lines on a piece of paper when he was yeah. half half cut. Um, <laughs> he, uh, like, oh, fuck these people. Who cares about these people? We'll just put them yeah. part here and part over there and part they, over there. Fuck them. Who cares? They, they all look the same to me. Yeah. So yeah. how, how bad could it be? Yeah. Who gives a fuck what they think? The Balok right. people are an Iranian ethnic group and- mm -hmm. The largest part of the the Pakistan's four provinces is their part of Balochistan. It's the least populated, right. but the largest geographical area. Mm. And you know, like these people have been fucked over going back to you know, like the Persians, the Arabs, the yes. British, Alexander yes. the Great, probably. <laughs> like probably. You know, we know when he went through there. There's always been this region of conflict and unrest because of its strategic importance, but also yes. More recently, in the last 100, 150 years, because of its natural resources, there's a lot of gas, oil, coal, gold, copper right. in this region. So none of these countries that 
ended up with it because Churchill drew a line in the sand. He want to let it go or want to give these people exactly. independence. These people want independence, and I'll yeah, explain why. Alone. So there's like the yeah. like the Uyghur people that I mentioned earlier. These people right. don't really feel like they belong in this country, yeah. uh, and they you know they know that there is natural resources on their land. They're not getting a lot of that money. They want that money because they can provide for their people. So there's been a strong right. separatist movement in Balochistan for a long time. Now, um, the Balok people uh, you know, didn't get any choice in when, when mm. their lines were drawn around their country. Right. And, you know, they're like, well, this is Pakistan now. All the Muslims in India, fuck you. You're going to move up north. You now got to you know, just watch the great Bollywood film. Patan! Which uh, covered a little bit of that. Was it Patan? I think it was Patan. Yeah. Um, they're like, yeah, fuck you. Yeah, you just oh, Pick actually, up no, it was a, it was an episode of Jodie Whittaker's Doctor Who that starts with the separation of Pakistan and people being caught on dividing lines. Anyway, oh yeah, sounds familiar. But there was also Patan, which was about <laughs> Pakistan and India fighting over Bangladesh. Anyway, another story. Right. Um, they feel like they've been economically exploited, the Balok people. Yes. Neglected politically by the Pakistani government. There have been several uprisings in there during the 20th century, and each time, obviously, the Pakistani military go in and shut it down fairly brutally. Yes. The the section of Balochistan that's in Iran has uh, similar but separate issues. Um, mm -hmm. The Balok people are Sunni Islam, as are the majority in Pakistan, but right. in Iran, obviously, they're mostly 12er Shia Islam, as we've covered on other episodes before. And the Sunni yes. block people feel like, again, they're sort of discriminated against, they're marginalised, uh, there's a level of cultural suppression. Because, mm -hmm. yes, we all believe in the same God, and, yes, we believe but, in the same prophet, uh, Piba, but, but you, you worship but. him wrong. It's right. So we have to kill you. Or at least not <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> think of you as an equal. Yeah. And can I just add real quick, just to make this a whole whole situation that you were just talking about a lot more fun. Pakistan has nuclear weapons. Iran is working on them. So, but but again, this is just more fighting in the region. We're saying, okay, this is an individual fight. The thing with the uh, Houthi, that's a supposedly an individual fight. But then we've got what's going on in uh, in Israel. And so, so in some ways, these Battles are connected in some ways they're not. But one day, I, I, I guess the big fear is it just becomes a regional conflict. Everybody just, like World War One, everybody just picks sides and you just fucking go at it. And who's going to suffer the most? The people in the Middle East who had no control over this whatsoever. Yeah. And they've been suffering through these sorts of things. For, exactly. Since exactly. Alexander the Great, right? Yes. Um, now, the Afghan part of Balochistan is, is a lot smaller than the Pakistan and the Iranian bits, but um, mm -hmm. less turbulent, but also you know, overshadowed mostly by all the other shit that Afghanistan <laughs> has been going through forever as well. Yes. Now, the other reason why Balochistan is strategically important is where it sits. It sits right. near key maritime choke points. If you bring up a, a map for me, Ray, right. can okay. you can you- can you do that for me, I can, Ray? I can whip Bring this out. Map. Sure. Yeah, yeah. If you look at where Balochistan is on a map, um, you'll see that it's uh, a really sort of important part of the um, Gulf of Oman, I guess. It's right. You got you got it open in front of you. Got it. Yep. yep. Yeah. So. It sits right near, you know, the, the where 
if you come through the Gulf of Man, you go around Qatar, the United Arab Emirates, you know, past Dubai, and mm-hmm. then it sits on the coastline here, and it's you know, there's there's a lot of shipping traffic that goes through there. It's oh, yes. um, as we'll get to when we get to the Houthi story, if we have time, mm-hmm. um, and it also plays a key role in the China-Pakistan Economic Corridor, the CPEC. There's a deep seaport called Gwadar, G-W-A-D-A-R, in the Pakistani part of Balochistan. It's a pretty focal key point for the CPEC. Mm. It's supposed to connect China with the Arabian Sea, which gives China a strategic foothold in the region. So there's this whole history of historical grievances, ethnic nationalism, strategic geopolitics, resource wealth, and all of this has led to like just a whole never-ending series of national and international interests conflicting there. It's a real hotspot. So the Jayesh al-Adel, which, by the way, translates to Army of Justice in Arabic, which is the name of my upcoming album, is a Sunni militant group mostly operating in the Sistan and Balochistan province of Iran. They emerged around 2012. Come, mm-hmm. they, they came out of a, another group called Jundala, which where the leader of Jundala was, was uh, arrested and executed by Iran in 2010. Right. Uh, and so, you know, a Sunni, um, you know, a rebe- rebellion group against uh, the Shia government of Iran. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, they, they've sort of claimed that they're fighting for the rights of all Sunni Muslims in Iran. They also represent the bloc minority in Iran. So they carry right. out guerrilla attacks, kidnappings, bombings against Iranian security forces, and they're yeah. often, you know, involved in cross-border activities between Iran and Pakistan. So they'll have bases in Pakistan, mm-hmm. which will go and attack places in Iran, and the Iranians will say accuse the Pakistanians of of uh, oh. protecting them, and then the ones in Iran will attack Pakistan, and the Pakistanians will accuse the Iranians of harboring right. them although you know they, i mean it's just complicated but it's a bit like yes. when the us allegedly found osama bin laden hiding in pakistan right next to the pakistan military's headquarters oh really he was that he's that <laughs> guy oh, we've been <laughs> renting him? that place out to him for 10 years really that's <laughs> I'm, I'm and every so time i said what do i call you he said call me mr bin laden i'd be like really that's what <laughs> that's- a coincidence so your name is I mean, what's I, your first your first name's not Osama, is it? It is actually. It's Osama bin Laden. Fuck oh, me, really? Yeah, it is. Oh yeah, shit, just, hey. What a coincidence. There's two of them. There's yeah. two of them. I did yeah, not yeah, know yeah. that. And you look like him too. That must that must <laughs> get God. really did difficult you when you go through because clearly security. you committed. You committed to this role, so that's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Here's some oh. uh, just to give people some interest, uh, uh, other context on what's going on, this is from Geopolitical Monitor, but this is by an author. He's a um, geopolitical scientist slash uh, uh, doctor, I think. But he writes freelance for Geopolitical Monitor, which is one of the geopolitical websites that I don't mind reading. It's not right. – I don't always agree with it, but um, he this guy lives in Karachi, so he's got a Pakistani bias, one would assume. But he says – the puzzling timing of Iran's unprovoked attack raises many prickling questions. Let me start that again. The puzzling timing of Iran's unprovoked attack raises many pricking questions about its strategic, objective, strategic objective, especially amid heightened tensions with the United States and other parts of the region. 
Interestingly, on the day Iran conducted its strike, the caretaker prime minister of Pakistan engaged in a meeting with Iranian Mm. foreign minister during the World Economic Forum in Davos. The navies of both nations were also actively participating in a joint military exercise. Additionally, a Pakistani trade delegation was present in Iran, while another Iranian delegation was concurrently visiting Pakistan. The convergence of diplomatic engagements, military exercises and trade delegations on the same day adds Mm -hmm. a layer of complexity to the unfolding events between the two countries. The strikes were launched a day after similar attacks carried out by Tehran inside other neighbours, Iraq and Syria. The question revolves around why Tehran chose this particular time for unprovoked missile attacks in neighbouring countries simultaneously, especially in a nuclear state like Pakistan, with which it has never engaged in any past conflicts. He goes on to conclude the obvious answer can be traced to Tehran's attempt to divert attention from the continued political and economic instability in its country. Iran strategically employs cross-border actions to stoke nationalist sentiments and alleviate internal pressure. They've been doing this for years. Well, I'm sure there's an element of that that's true, and I think most countries in the world are guilty oh, yeah. of that you know if you want to look over there fire country yeah you, you attack yeah. its enemy and you beat up the fact that you, we're doing this thing to fight off terrorists <laughs> or fight off our enemies right. or whatever it is oh, yeah. but i also think that th- there's an element of this that is got to do with what's going on in gaza at the moment it's mm. the iran the iranians uh demonstrating their willingness to attack uh, enemies across borders, it's uh, right. shot across the bow. Let's say that it's it's. Uh, hey, listen, you know, I mean, not that people don't take their ability to do this kind of stuff seriously, seriously. Anyway, I mean, right. they they are involved, they are involved in operations in the Middle East. I, I don't know necessarily. It's to the degree that they're often accused of. You know, if if somebody lets out a sneaky fart anywhere in the Middle East, the Western media will oh. say it was, you know, supported by Iran. Yes. Um, yeah. They're but, the guy there. you yeah. know, yeah. But they obviously, uh, like everyone, is sort of interested in supporting their strategic interests and their allies in the in the region. And speaking of which, moving on to our last story, because I have eight minutes before we have to finish this, US and British militaries have uh, been striking sites in Yemen, and I want to just touch on that before we get away. What do you know about the Houthis, Ray? Quick, 30 seconds. Tell me everything you know about the Houthis. Oh, God. Um, The Houthis are a Yemeni militia group named after their founder, a very long name, Hussein Badreddin al-Houthi. Um, Shia. Uh, they emerged in the 1980s as as in uh, to oppose the Saudi Arabia's religious influence in Yemen. So there's about 20 of them. They're used to being oppressed. They're used to being messed with. They're used to fighting. And now supposedly in support of the Palestinians, they are now shelling, I guess, what commerce ships that come by the, the coastline and also American and other military ships. So I, I don't know what they're thinking. I mean, it's like walking up to the biggest guy and just slapping the shit at him going, hey, I just finished having coitus with your mom. I mean, but they are they are literally defying all the odds by taking on America and the British Navy. 
Yeah, so they they came out. I, I think it was in the early nineties. There's uh, mm. a real as a theological movement promoted by uh, promoted by Hussein um, Al Houthi. Um, there are there are a particular Shia sect called the Zaidi, which is different from the Twelver sect, which is dominant in Iran. Wow! But um, they started to basically, you know, create. Uh, rebellions in Yemen because they felt that they were being marginalized as a sect mm -hmm. uh, right. by the Yemeni government, which they perceived as corrupt and too close to Western and Saudi interests. And, mm. and that's, that was in fact true. They were right, obviously. <laughs> um, yeah. That kind of morphed into a general armed insurgency in the early 2000s. Al Houthi himself was killed in 2004 by Yemeni government forces and wow. that actually further radicalized the group that he left behind. In 2014, they advanced south. They seized the capital of Yemen, Sanana, um, which is memorialized in the classic song Sanana, do 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 do, Sanana, do 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 do, Sanana, do 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 that it was actually the Houthi that now you do. that song. That was their, now you do. that was, you know, now armies have a song that they will sing when they march into battle. That was the song that what? they would sing. They were marching. <laughs> <laughs> it helps them keep, it helps them keep the same. Yeah. 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 So they actually seized the capital yeah. of, of Yemen in 2015. Wow, that's impressive. Yes. 2015, the Saudis got involved trying to restore the government of a guy called Hadi, who there's a long story about President Hadi. He sided with the Houthis, then he turned against the Houthis, and it was all back, and then he eventually got killed. There's this whole backwards and forwards thing. The Saudis right. then launched a brutal war against uh, the Houthis and, right. you know, fully supported by the United States for many years. Of course. Cong Congress of started course. to pull back a little bit of support for it at some stage, but they were doing it via proxy, you know, via their support for Saudi Arabia for most of that time. Mm -hmm. right. And, uh, you know, it led to massive um, instability in the region. Um, there was uh, yeah, famine, yeah. displacement, destruction of infrastructure in Yemen. One of the great, uh, greatest um, crises, uh, human rights crises uh, in the 21st century so far Um mm -hmm. And the Houthis were accused of, of being supported by Iran and to the level and extent of how much they're supported is still really unknown. Yes, they're both right. Shia groups. Yes, they both kind of hate the United States and Saudi Arabia. But yeah, then you've got the whole 12 Shia in Iran versus the Zaidi Shia with the Houthi. Yeah. And it's again, okay, well, we worship the same God and we worship the same prophet. We even worship the same way of deciding who is the right prophet. But your right. way of acknowledging who is the right prophet is slightly marginally different to how we see it. So therefore and that, that's enough. That's, that's enough. enough. Yeah. Leave it to religion right. <laughs> to push for people further apart. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. But the Houthi aren't just a rebellion, a, a rebel group in Yemen these days. They're a, they're a serious political force massively intertwined with the country and oh, yes. the country, as I said, faces food insecurity, um, disrupted food supplies, inflated prices. Millions are relying on humanitarian aid, which hasn't really been coming from the international community because the US oh, yeah. is preventing it. 
Um, they've been on the brink of famine, children vulnerable to malnutrition and starvation. Hospitals have been destroyed. The health system has completely collapsed. Um, there have been outbreaks of diseases like cholera and diphtheria because of poor sanitation, lack of clean water, oh, yeah. lack of health care, those sorts of things. Of course, for years, air, airstrikes by the Saudi-led coalition and ground fighting uh, led to thousands and thousands of civilian deaths, uh, including many, many children. Yes. Employment's rampant. The, you know, the usual thing. Just they're completely, you know, trying. The, the Saudis, backed by the United States, are basically trying to wipe out a large mm -hmm. percentage of the Yemeni population so they can, quote-unquote, bring stability, which means, <laughs> you know, reinstating a government that's friendly to Saudi interests. So to be fair, the, the Houthis were attacking yeah. Saudi infrastructure. You know, they're doing cross-border attacks as well. Who who, right. start, who shot first, Greedo or Han? You know, yeah. we, we won't know Doesn't until the smoke clears. But exactly. That's what's yeah. going. That's sort of the background of that. So the Houthis in Yemen have been attacking vessels in the Red Sea because they yes. sit again, like uh, Balochistan. They sort of sit on this trade corridor. They sit in the oh, Red yeah. Sea, and they're saying that they're doing it in support of the Palestinians in Gaza, mm -hmm. um, because you know, fuck you, Israel. One of the things we're going to do is disrupt <laughs> shipping, create right. economic. Um, uh, issues for you, probably affecting Egypt more than it's affecting Israel because I think more of Egypt's economy relies on traffic through the Suez Canal. Ah, right. But it's also probably more about uh, attacking Saudi Arabia and hurting Saudi Arabia by mm -hmm. attacking shipping in this region as well. It's got more to do with just Israel, but it's also just attacking the West. It's trying to create turmoil in the West. And, and often, like going back to the original Hamas attack on October 7th, right? It, I think it's largely designed to create uh, awareness about the issues that these people are facing, uh, that, the, that the Houthi are facing. Because yeah. you won't even know it. Yeah. Palestinians are facing. If you can create conflict in these regions, you get it on the front page of the newspapers, you get it on the news. Hopefully right. people in the West pay attention and do something. And, you know, exactly. judging yeah. by the response of surveys uh, in the US of the, the young people, it's it's having an impact oh, on pissed. raising yes. awareness uh, for them. Now, of yeah. course, in response to uh, these attacks on ships in the Red Sea, the US and the UK have started bombing the fuck out of Yemen. Military right. targets, they say. Um and uh, the the legality of the US and the UK arbitrarily bombing sites in Yemen is really yeah. uh, questionable. It hasn't right. been approved by the UN Security Council. The UN Security Council has wagged its finger at the Houthi for doing all of this. Nobody, including China and Russia, wants uh, global traffic in the Red Sea trade uh, tr uh, to get disrupted. Absolutely. Disrupted, absolutely. But it's more yeah. affecting uh, the United States and the UK shipping companies yeah. uh, yeah. And, and Israeli shipping companies, et cetera, et cetera, that are linked to mm. the West. They're, they're, they're desperate, so they'll do anything to, like you said, get attention. And you're right, it is working. And the Houthi are making unreasonable demands uh, to stop their mm. attacks. They say they demand Israel allows full humanitarian supplies to enter Gaza. Oh, okay. Not so unreasonable no, after all. No, uh, that's and a response to happen. in response Sorry. to this threat, the U.S. Uh, forced Israel to allow full humanitarian supplies to enter Gaza. 
No, wait, I read that wrong. No, the US and Britain just bombed <laughs> the fuck out of Houthi military targets. Um, we can, shit. Now, we can either help these suffering or we can make more people suffer. I say we go with the second option. The US's justification for it is that the Houthi are attacking US interests and that's why they can uh, attack them. Now, when Russia does something because it's yeah. threatening their interests or China does something because it's threatening Evil. their interests, yeah. Evil. Legal. When the US or the UK Evil. does yeah. something to protect their interests, well, that's different, as David Markham was Freedom saying. Well, it's not the same thing. It's different. Mm -hmm. Everything's different <laughs> to everything else. Yes, I get that. It's the principle Freedom though, loving. that we're talking yes. about. Yeah. 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 Um, it's it's one-sided. One yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Well, look, I could talk more about this. I've got to go. My time is yeah. up. I just wanted to say, though, that the the issue with them and the Saudis, Yemen and the Saudis in this is interesting because uh, obviously the Saudis are fighting the Yemenis because who the the Houthi are pretty much Yemen now. Yeah. Um, the Saudis, though, are also supposedly supporters of the Palestinian cause. Right. The Houthi are attacking the ships in the Red Sea to support the Palestinian cause, which the Saudis also support. Right. But the Houthis are supported by Iran, and Iran and the Saudis don't get along, even though they exactly. worship the same God and the same prophet. <laughs> <laughs> Just disagree on how they worship him. Um, but so it's complicated, man. It reminds yes. me of when Obama... Yes. In, was siding with uh, Al-Qaeda to fight ISIS back in the early days of the Syrian war. It got crazy. It but got in this crazy. case, it's not the enemy of my enemy is my friend. It's the friend of my <laughs> friend is my enemy. Saudi sure. Arabia is like, okay, well, yeah. you're yeah. friends yeah. of the Palestinians. We're friends of the Palestinians, but you're still my enemy. Right. So it's complicating I that whole thing. <laughs> It makes more sense. Kip, Kip, before you go, I just got to tell you something real quick to make you feel better that you're Australian. One, um, there's a representative, and I think it's in the state of Kentucky, who's, who's put forward a bill to make it legal to have sex with your first cousin. I think there's a little personal wow. interest going on there. Yeah. You must um, be happy about there's, that. There's another one. Um, in Colorado, a bill has been introduced to bring back duels when uh, representatives are, are insulted by other representatives, not by the civilians, but by, they're, they're allowed to challenge them to duels. Um, let's see here. Um, oh, and, my, and the last one is in Florida, there's a bill. This one's probably going to pass um, that forbids anybody in the state who is 16 years, or young, 16 year, years old or younger to use social media. So... Thank God you're in Australia. I'll, I'll, I'll let you know how it goes. This is going to be the uh, apocalypse here. Sorry, go ahead. We didn't even get time to talk about the Republican primaries. We'll have to do that next time. But no. obviously, Trump, clean yeah. sweep. Uh, DeSantis yes. fell over at the first yeah. hurdle. Um, <laughs> it's just... That um, man, yeah. He's not a human. He's he's a walking be, shit stain. Anyway, we'll... It's going to be an interesting year. Time. Yes, All right. Is. Gotta run. Kung Fu waits for no man. See you later, buddy. Familiar American bullshit. Land of the free, home of the brave, the American dream. All men are equal, justice is blind, the press is free.